So by the time you're listening to this, um, Halloween has come and gone. Uh, hopefully you're still eating some Halloween candy because we're not that soon after Halloween, but yeah, depends on how long it takes me to edit this. It's fine. So since we're still kind of in the spooky season mood, if you could haunt any place, where would you haunt? Matt, let's going to start with you this week. Um, I think I would probably go with a library. Um, two reasons. One, maybe I'd eventually catch up on all the books that I don't have time to read. <laughs> and two, it's a very formative memory for me watching Ghostbusters and seeing the ghost in the library and that was one of the first movies that I saw that I remember being absolutely terrified. And that was the moment that scared me. Hey, who turned out the lights? <laughs> like I, yeah. So even though that scared the crap out of me as a child, I think I'd almost want to be that ghost to scare other people. Yeah. Um, very similar. I would like to haunt a uh, a comic book store again to maybe catch up <laughs> on all the books that I said I was going to read. Um, also, very close second, um, I'd like to haunt uh, Oscar Isaac's house for reasons. Tabitha. <laughs> if you decide to haunt Oscar Isaac's house, can I come visit? <laughs> sure. Okay, wonderful. Um, so that's my second choice as well. Um <laughs> My first choice is actually the library in my hometown, which is in a spooky old building. You got trapped there, I right? got trapped in when I was a very <laughs> small child, almost overnight. Um, it is also a museum, and I also have a recurring nightmare about the museum that is in the top of that building, so I've always just kind of assumed that's where I'm going to die eventually anyway. I don't know how or why, but I feel like it's coming for me, so I'm just going to get prepared and be ready to haunt that place at the moment's notice. Lydia. So my my first thought was I'm going to find like a national park where there's like a constant foot traffic of people going through the woods and I'm going to haunt everybody that walks through there because, you know, people are super terrified of the forest for some reason. But listening to you guys talk about the library and the bookstore, my second thought was I'm going to haunt a movie theater because then I can catch up on stuff. (laughs) And also I can, you know, like sit behind people and be like, hey, what's going on? And just bug the crap out of them the entire movie. Knock popcorn out of their hands. Yes. Yeah. Uh, plot twist: Lydia is the only poltergeist among us. <laughs> We're that all like, peacefully haunting bookstores and libraries, and just reading. And Lydia's effing with the population at movie theaters. <laughs> that tracks. Oh, you can't tell me that like at a library you wouldn't like knock a book off the shelf. Oh, I would do that all of the time. Yeah. But I would like. Pick Mostly just sit in a chair and sit there. Yeah, I would pick it up afterwards and make sure I put it back in alphabetical order because I need to. <laughs> You're listening to The Geek Awakens with Mitch, Matt, Tabitha, and Lydia. So, 
we are going to do a guilty pleasure dumpster fire this week. Um, we're going to talk about Ghost Ship. But before we get there, let's open up the pull list. What's on our pull list this week? And we have two books to talk about tonight. Um, the first one is Sainted Love, number two. It's out now from Vault, written by Steve Orlando with art by Giopata. So the Hotel Oasis, owned by Malcolm Arena, is under attack by the Pilgrims, a secret society out to erase gay people from history. Can Malcolm and his partner, John Wolfe, do what it takes to take down the Pilgrims? Um, reading that real quick, I almost thought that I wrote the Penguins, but I did not. <laughs> I did not. Um, Matt, did you say you read this one? Yes. What would you think? Um, I really I, I, I really still enjoy this series. I know we were only on issue two. Um I like, I think one of my favorite things is actually, it's kind of spoilery, um, but I'm not going to give all the details. Um, we travel in time, and you can kind of see how we're going to travel in time throughout this series. Um, we've now had two different modes of time travel, which I think is fun. Um, you're not sticking to the same thing. Um, that's that's just a fun way to do it. Usually it's like, oh, here's your machine. You're going to travel back and forth using this um they kind of have to modify that time travel for each period they're going into and i really enjoy that um the the secret society i love that aspect of it um to see how that's going to track all the way across all these eras um i don't know i i really do enjoy the series i think it's a lot of fun um i know we've talked about it but it's absolutely 100 percent not for kids um but still, like, it, it's fun. The characters are great. I love seeing their dynamic. Um, and you know that you're going to be able to watch them continue to grow both individually and as a couple throughout this series. Um, yeah, I, I loved the ending. And I don't want to give anything away. Um, it's not like it's a twist ending or anything. Um, but still, I love, I love where they ended issue two. Um, the art for this book, it's <sighs> a lot of times, I mean, it's very like, I don't want to say realistic because it's not, it, it is still at the very, at the end of the day, like it's still very much, you know, like cartoony, I guess, but like, it's, it's kind of a weird mix of the two. Um, I laughed quite a few times. Um, there is one scene where there are some very well-placed uh speech bubbles <laughs> it's like you good job guys <laughs> um, but yeah but this i i'm loving where this story is going i'm loving uh, i love the backstory of the pilgrims um and that they are like kind of a force to be reckoned with um throughout time i'm i'm here for this um we saw john wolf's um uh manager coach whatever in issue one she doesn't show up in issue two but this is just me having a theory right now but like i feel i'm 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 hoping that you know like there's her from issue one there's the the friends that you know they had in issue two that they kind of left behind i'm hoping that by the end of this series they like their friends throughout time help them out um steve orlando if you're listening I don't know. If you steal my idea, 
give me credit or something. I don't know. But go for it. Um, Tabitha, what'd you think? I really enjoy this series. So normally I have a hard time with like time travel stuff. This does it in such a way that it's like very well thought out. And like Matt mentioned, like each era gets kind of a new time travel device. They're not utilizing the same technology, if you will, of each era when they move to a different place in time. And that's really interesting to me because usually when you see a time travel story, they've got some futuristic crazy contraption that hasn't been invented yet, but they've got it because they've already gone into time. And it's like, we're catching them from the very beginning. Um, I'm with Mitch. I really love the way this ended. I love this couple for the simple reason that they're not perfect. They have their arguments and their arguments are very prevalent on page. And I feel like you don't see that a lot in novels or comics. It's when they're arguing, it's cold shouldering for the most part in writing. But this author does not shy away from an actual verbal argument. And it's well done. It's very two-sided and it's very well plotted out. Um, my only problem with this, and this is literally just a me problem, I it cannot read the word pilgrim without hearing it in John Wayne's voice. <laughs> <laughs> and not Seth is nodding, so I guess I'm not totally alone. Pilgrim? Yeah, I cannot, I can't read that word without hearing it like that. And so every time, it was just really taking me out of the story, because then I was like, John Wayne. Job Wayne, <laughs> like every time they did it. So while I'm enjoying this, I maybe I'm just going to start saying penguins since you tried to say that because <laughs> that'll bring me some joy instead of John Wayne. Now I'm just picturing a penguin secret society. I'm picturing a penguin dressed as John Wayne. <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> so the next book we're going to talk about is uh, the Nasty Number Five. Uh, it's out now from Vault, written by John Lees with art by Adam Cahoon. Um, so the remake of House of Creeping Flesh is underway at the local supermarket, uh, which is transformed after hours into a house of horrors. Uh, but a different real threat is starting to become more impossible to control. Um, Tabitha, what'd you think? I really enjoyed this. Um, I really like the first issue that we got to read. And the more that we carry on with this, the more I am liking it. Um, there was a lot more like character building in this one than i feel like we got in the previous novel or the previous issues and i i need to know what's going to happen with big ennis like at the (laughs) end of the day i need to know so i'm i'm excited to see where this goes i hope we continue to read these these are great for spooky season like great for that like horror movie vibe i was super bummed because i have read issues one and two and i don't have issue three so I didn't I didn't get to read issue four, but like I do. I love this series and I am very much going to get caught up and I can't wait. All right. So let's go ahead and get into Guilty Pleasure or Dumpster Fire. Is it a guilty pleasure or is it a dumpster fire? And the movie that we're talking about, um, Tabitha, you were very excited um, this was your suggestion, but we're talking about Ghost Ship. Um, it's a 2002 horror movie about a marine salvage crew who, thanks to Jack Ferryman, uh, discover the Antonio Graza. It's an ocean liner that dis- uh, disappeared in the early 60s. I-, I guess I should also say, um, if you haven't seen this 20-year-old movie and you're planning on it, um, spoilers. Sorry. Anyway. 
So the crew, uh, which is Captain Sean Murphy, Maureen Epps, Greer, Dodge, Munder, and Santos, uh, board the ship to find out what treasures await them. Oh, and Ferryman, he was also there because he demanded to come along. Uh, they see and experience some strange things, but also find a boatload of gold, pun intended. Um, they decide to leave, but something starts a propane link on their tugboat, causing it to explode, killing Santos. Uh, other strange things happen, like Greer falling to his death while trying to bang a ghost. <laughs> Epps talking to the ghost of a girl. Murphy talking to the ghost of the captain. And they eventually discover that Ferryman is behind the whole thing. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Um, everybody dies except for Epps. Um, and the ghosts go to heaven, I think, <laughs> um, when she explodes the uh, Antonio Graza. She gets rescued. And while in an ambulance waiting to go to the hospital, <gasps> she sees Ferryman getting on another ocean liner. And he's probably going to kill more people. <laughs> and that's how the movie ends. Written by Mark Hanlon and John Pogue, directed by Steve Beck, and starring Juliana Margulies, Gabriel Byrne, Desmond Harrington, and Carl Urban, this movie scored a 5.6 out of 10 on IMDb and 15% on Rotten Tomatoes. But does Ghost Ship sink or swim? God, I hate you. Do you, though? Because, I mean, you keep showing up. I'm <laughs> glutton for punishment. I don't... <laughs> so, you know, you were making the joke earlier about, you know, being allergic to him. I think it's like, you know, the people that, oh, I'm allergic to dogs or I'm allergic to cats, but I can't help it. I just love them so much so they keep them in the house, even though they, like, constantly cause them problems. So she needs a hyper hypoallergenic me? Yes. <laughs> or I need to up my allergy medication. <laughs> <laughs> so if you've never listened to an episode with guilty pleasure dumpster fire um i'm gonna ask four questions what worked about this movie what didn't work about this movie um if you've seen it before how does it hold up to prior viewings um or i guess slash is this something you would watch again um and then finally is it a guilty pleasure or a dumpster fire um tabitha so since this was um your fault that we watched this uh what do you like about this movie so this kind of ghost story is kind of the end-all be-all of haunted stories for me um it's got that twist of a historical element there's a remote location whether it's a haunted house or in this case a haunted ship um, with either a family or, in this case, a found family. And then just there's one thing about it that is just straight up evil. That is my bread and butter for like a haunted spooky tale. And Ghost Ship checks every single plot box that I would ever have for a spooky spooky story. Um, you have a very interesting and very different cast of characters that all bring something to the film and they also bring something to the story as far as the haunting. Like you mentioned when you were explaining it, they're all kind of haunted by different things on the ship. The captain is haunted by the captain. Maureen is haunted by a small girl who turns out to be a helpful ghost, a trap spirit. A Casper. 
Yes. Except Devasawa doesn't show up at the end. Um, <laughs> that would have been wild. <laughs> <laughs> um, you have Greer, or uh, is it Greer? Yeah, that is haunted by the sexy singer later because he his fiance is referenced so many times. And then at the end of the day, you have Ferryman, whose name is Ferryman, which is just. Did you just figure that out? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> it's just absolutely brilliant. He's bringing these souls, pl- spoiler alert again, to the dead. And once he gets a full ship of them, he can take them home. It's his quota. He has to meet it. He's he's very obviously a devil. And this is just, it's just so well plotted for such a B-horror movie that it is incredible to me that it is not... More, not more well known but like we haven't had like a remake or anything like it's been you know <laughs> 25 years like i don't know 21 years oh whatever close it <laughs> don't make us older than we are tabitha i wasn't i was making ghost ship older than i was <laughs> same thing i guess i i liked the found family aspect um with these characters they um they mess with each other a lot. There's a lot of like bickering, a lot of infighting, a lot of fighting like you would with siblings. There's, I don't want to say dirty talk, but they, they talk, (laughs) (laughs) but they talk like the sailors that they kind of are, you know? Um, So that was kind of like one of those things where like, the first scene where they were kind of doing that, I was like, Ooh, I don't know that I like this, especially like, you know, some of the things that you're saying don't age well. Um, however, yes, that is 100% how people would talk. Um, so I liked that. I liked the beginning scene, which I didn't really touch on when I was kind of going over the synopsis, but when like, uh, what, like half the ocean liner gets fucking cut in half. Um, that was gory as hell. Um, was not prepared for that. Was not prepared to see the captain's brains. Um, <laughs> Neither was a little girl. Yeah. Um, but uh, so that was really well done. And I'm a little disappointed because that set up my expectations pretty high. And we didn't. Well, yes, there were still some gory deaths we didn't get something on that level again. Um, I'm still counting this in the good category because for a horror movie, a plus great job. Like that was disgusting. Um, I, I'm sure that there are a couple other things that I did enjoy throughout the movie, but those are really the two standouts for me. Uh, Matt, what'd you think? What, 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 what did you like? Um, so you guys have both mentioned the found family um, for 2002. The diverse cast that we got for this is is incredible, and it does. It's very, it's a very well put together found family. Um, the the little bit of infighting, the nitpicking, the back and forth that they do is is real well done. Like it feels like siblings. Like I'm not touching you. Like it definitely feels like that throughout the entire film. Um. Yes, I will openly admit right now that I didn't catch Ferryman being a fairy man. Not like that. No. <laughs> like, 
in fairy f e r r y yeah like like the river sticks type of fairy um like i'm i'm mad at myself that i didn't catch that but i was kind of so enthralled with the idea of what he was doing and this is another one of those films that i watch where i'm just like damn it like that idea is so brilliant that i wish i'd come up with it myself kind of thing um filling a ship with souls you know ferrying it over getting off the boat finding a new you know finding a new a new ship um that the way that that comes full circle I absolutely love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, um, oh, yes, the the opening. Um, every 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 good horror movie needs that shock opening to kind of pull you in and and well, in this case, drag you under. Um, <laughs> and this this like really does that. Um, it very much reminded me of a particular scene in Resident Evil, which again is probably a awful underrated horror movie but um one of my favorites like that scene where they all get sliced in half with that cord very much reminds me of 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 one scene in resident evil um gory but one of my favorite scenes in that movie i don't know what that says about me um and in and for the most part the cgi in this didn't age all that poorly like it's not spectacular by any stretch but we've seen other guilty pleasure dumpster fire movies that are roughly the same age and the cgi has been way worse than this one ended up um so like i like you said mitch i think there's probably something else but like those are the ones that particularly come to mind lydia what'd you like about this flick a lot of what you guys have already said the found family for sure um yeah the beginning of it as soon as it started off with the like little jazzy music and everybody having a good time like this seems very misleading (laughs) and then the chord happened it's like oh there it is got it okay um there's a lot of little things too in the movie that i caught that i really like um the little toy that she plays with at the beginning that says i am so bored that as they board the ship later changes to welcome aboard loved that also, I put this together about the time that that happened, and I actually paused the movie to tell Kevin. I was like, Ferryman's the, the bad guy. And he just kind of looked at me. He's like, okay. I was like, because at the beginning, when she's playing with the toy, there's a younger crewmate that helps her change it to that. It's him. Was it? I'm pretty sure it's not. Oh, okay. No, it's that's the guy that she watches get his neck sliced open that's, in the okay, thing. Yeah, that's what but I you thought. do see him in that opening scene in the background. Yeah. So I pieced <laughs> it together because of that. For some reason, I wasn't sure if it was him or not. But I'm like, I'm fairly certain. Um, and one thing I do like about this is it actually gives you like the full storyline. A lot of horror thriller movies tend to set up a really good story and then they miss a bunch of pieces or they don't wrap everything up like they should this one gave you the beginning gave you the idea what uh happened to everybody it gave you the storyline of how Ferriman and like the curse basically that he brought with him got to the ship from the other ship with the gold like 
just the entire wrap up of everything was really well played out, I thought. Also, I am really <laughs> I have this weird thing where like man-made structures underwater creep me the hell out. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Like I don't even like like the pieces of bridges that go underwater. Like it it's really weird. So pieces where they're like scuba diving down through the ship and the gears and nope (laughs) that was enough for me thanks oh and also since we're talking about good things long-haired carl urban enough said (laughs) preach so for every long-haired carl urban um (laughs) there was something else about this movie that that didn't work so now we're going to talk about um now we're going to talk about the bad. Um, so some of the things that you guys have talked about that you liked or whatever, um, I'm going to give a yes, but to <laughs> um, Lydia, you say how, you know, this movie tied everything up and it explained everything, you know, for the most part. Uh, for, oh, yeah, for the most part, one of the best things I liked about the movie, that first scene with the, you know, with the dance floor or whatever, we have ideas of who was responsible, but we still like we ended the movie with not knowing who was responsible for that cord going. Like afterwards, I'm assuming it was like the the cartel or whatever, but it's not ever explicitly said. Well, he could do things by like without action too. Like he could True. control things. So True. Like, I thought it was implied that Ferryman made the cord snap. So that kind of bugged me. Um, Matt, you, you mentioned the CGI. Um, while you're right, it, it's not bad. There's the scene where um, Juliana Margulies, uh falls back into the swimming pool. And then you see like all the blood like going in and out of drains. Like that was like, that was bad for 2002. <laughs> like they could have done a better job with that. It really, it, that took me out of the scene. Um, I hated how early on, like you, Lydia, I hated how early on I caught that ferryman was behind everything. Um, because like I was, I was paying attention to his last name. I'm like, well, it can't be a play, be a play on his, um, you know, his occupation because he flies planes. That doesn't make sense. And so like, I kept thinking about it and then, I kept thinking about how he was conveniently always in the right place at the right time. And so finally I was like, yeah, he's the bad guy. Like I probably knew that like, I don't know, 30 minutes into it. Also, can we talk about how the fact that, so we had that first scene at the very beginning, but then like, we don't get another death until like the movie is well past halfway over. Like I realized that for all intents and purposes, this is a small cast, but can we get some more deaths for an, for a horror movie, please? Um, which leads me to Greer. Dude was so horny. Um, <laughs> seeing the picture of the singer, and I wish I wrote down the exact quote, but like for all intents and purposes, he said that those are like the best tits he's ever seen. I use that word because he used that word. <laughs> but she does get naked, and we do see those boobies. They ain't that great. <laughs> it was gratuitous to make the R rating. Yeah. Like they were they were fine. Were they the best that I've seen? No. 
you deserve to die the death that you died there, Greer. Um, yeah, I mean, this this movie, I don't know, like, it just, there were enough little things that bugged me where at the end of the day, I'm like, I'm ready for this movie to be over. Um, there was one scene in the beginning where, like, Carl Urban, like, he's just, like, randomly smoking a cigarette. Like, they're already on the ship. It's like, bro, where'd you get that cigarette? Like, I, I, that was a little thing, but it bugged me. Um, Matt, what didn't work for you? Um, so as much as I said, yes, the CGI, like, wasn't absolutely god-awful, um, the fact that every time they're anywhere close to a window or a source of water, and the light reflects off of it and is shimmering effing everywhere, that's not how that works. Also, especially if you're that high up on a ship, you're yeah. not going to get that reflection off of the ocean. At night. Like, no. Like, <laughs> I understand that they're trying to maintain the atmosphere that you're on a boat in the middle of the water. But, like, like she goes into that into the room um, with the little girl. And it's, it's like dancing over the wall. And I'm like, from where? <laughs> like, there's, you're not anywhere close to water. And then, you know, they're diving in trying to fix the holes. There's no shimmering going on in that room, and it's full of effing water. Like, what? It doesn't make any sense. That was probably my biggest overall gripe for the whole thing. Um, yeah, that 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 prop that that got me real bad. Um, I guess the other thing for me, and Tabitha and I kind of talked about this after we got done watching it. Um, it was you're, you're right Mitch there there I don't think there were enough deaths but it was a small cast so there was only so much you could do um there was um it, it's not a situation for me that had any kind of tension or fear involved in it um like 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 I told Tabitha I said the the horror movies that creep me out are the ones that are those accidental things where you stumble upon it. It could happen to anybody. It could happen to you, your neighbor, somebody you don't know. Like, those are the ones that scare me. Like, we talk about Smile, where it's like you accidentally see somebody who commits suicide, and now you're afflicted by that. I am never, ever, ever, ever getting on a salvage boat and going to the Bering Strait. Ever. That's not who I am. I am never going to put myself in this predicament. So there's nothing scary to me about being on this boat in the middle of the ocean. I'm not in any way, shape, or form in danger. And that kind of pulls me out of it a little bit because I kind of, like, to make it scary, I need, I personally need to have that element. But again, that's what makes horror, um, not, oh, what's the word? Um, like, spooky. not spooky, but like, like what, what makes it work for you is what's different for everybody else. So Lydia, what about you? So there was a she lot took of notes. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally just took notes as we watched this movie. Um, a lot of it's like little stuff and it's things that are more common sense things like some of the things that they did or said it's like 
this doesn't make sense for how smart you all seem to be. <laughs> like, for one thing, I get that this ship has been out here for like 40 years. If this many people died on it, there would be skeletons or something. And not one person thought that it was strange that they didn't find anybody until they found the dead bodies from the people that had already been there before them. Yeah, and if if I'm not mistaken, like the only skeleton that we see is the little girl, right? Huh? Yeah. 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 Yeah, she's the only one. There's not anybody else anywhere on the ship that's dead other than the bodies they found floating and then hers. Little things like that and like the comment of well, we've got the gold and we're still alive. Okay, and how are you planning on getting home there, bud? You're going to build a raft. <laughs> Out of what? That car. <laughs> also, where did they get all the random sheet metal that they decided to finally use to fix the ship? I get I get that they already had moved all of their equipment from their uh their little boat to the ship to start working on stuff. Where do they get that perfectly shaped sheet metal <laughs> to fix the holes up? Also, I'm no canning expert, but 40 years seems a little much. <laughs> That's why there were maggots. And yeah. <laughs> I guess to go back to what was good, that visibly creeped me uh, out. Yeah. Yeah. I oh. gagged at that. So kudos there. <laughs> so... That that's most of the things that bugged me was just like the little thing, <laughs> yeah. But just the little things. It's like these should be common sense things, and nobody is addressing any of them. <laughs> like that. That's what bugged me the most. So Tabitha, have we ruined your favorite film ever? You have not. Um, there are arguably things about this that do not work. Um, it. For, like I told Matt right before we started it because he had never seen it and I've watched it countless times I was like there are parts of this that actually creep me out and I don't know if I've grown as a person or if I'm just so jaded as an adult <laughs> that I'm like nah, if devil's coming for me let's go why not both <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe um, but honestly I missed being afraid of this movie like the first couple of times I remember watching it I remember it like genuinely kind of giving me the creeps um, but this time I was I think Part of that was maybe I was looking at it also with a little bit more of a critical eye. Um, the thing that bothered me, other than the fl flickering water on everything, because that was annoying the shit out of me. It was giving me Twilight, like, ho, oh, oh, ho, oh, ho, vibes, like, real bad. Like, I was, like, waiting on Kristen Stewart to be sitting there watching the seasons go by in the window with the blue tone that was being put on everything for no reason. Um the only thing that really, really, really bothered me is I started wanting to, like, take a shot every time Juliana Margulies said Katie, because it was a lot. <laughs> like, yeah. Katie, Kate, like, it's like she learned her name and then just wanted to say it a thousand times. It was really frustrating. And I wish Katie looked more like a ghost instead of just a pale Victorian child that got lost on the ship, because she, like, did not look like a spirit. Mm. She looked like a flesh and blood child with influenza like <laughs> well, none of the ghosts really looked like ghosts well i know but like katie was the thing that kept popping in and out right and like fading in and out in a way but like she wasn't really fading it was just like like you were like i don't know she just kept like being like a kid that was walking into the room like i don't know i didn't like the <laughs> way that they were doing that anyway also, this is my biggest gripe about this with its anti-realism. Like Lydia said, the, there was no bodies. However, the thing that bothers me the most is there is no way this bitch is going to float for days in the Bering Strait on a 40-year-old suitcase and not die of hypothermia. 
Did anyone check the temperatures of the Bering Strait before they made this movie? She was kind of sunburnt, though. So what, that ups her body temperature so she survived <laughs> hypothermia? Um, there are arguably plot holes and there's problems with this movie. Like, I'm not denying that. Like, when I selected it, that's one of the reasons I selected it. Because there is good and there is bad. Also, I'm not really up on my, like, ship history. But how often does a whole ocean liner go missing without a trace and still be above water? I mean, the Mary Celeste did Mary, it. Yeah, uh, so I, that story that he told in there is yeah, true about is true. the Mary Celeste. Yeah, I, I did forget to mention that as one of the things I enjoyed. Um, the fact that they pulled that, you know, kind of as a mirror mirror story. Yeah. The Mary Celeste is a true story. Oh, yeah, so. the story the captain tells is an absolutely true story. Yeah. And there have been um, when ships were coming across, like after the Pilgrims came across, there were a lot of ships that docked in Jamestown with like one person on board that didn't even know how to steer a ship. So. Weird shit happens on the water. And this is why I don't like the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> what happens on the water stays on the water. So, if I'm not mistaken, Tabitha's the only person who's seen this movie before, correct? Correct. Not yeah. like in the world, or even in this room, but actively <laughs> participating on this podcast, Tabitha's the only one. <laughs> <laughs> so, my question for Tabitha is... How does this movie hold up to prior viewings for everybody else? Is this something that you would watch again? Um, Lydia, let's start with you this round. I would watch it again. Say I liked it enough that I would not mind turning it on and like trying to catch more of the little details because I feel like there's several that I probably missed, both good and bad. So I would definitely go back and watch it again. My husband would probably disagree, but I don't really care. I'll watch it with them. Tabitha. Um, like I said, I kind of miss the spook factor, and I, I don't know if maybe watching it with, with a critical eye this time has lost that spook factor for me. So I'm interested to see when I watch it again, it's like background noise, if it still gives me those couple of like, like jump scares. Um, but I will definitely watch this again. Matt. Um, yeah. I, I don't know that this is going to be like a put it on the rotation every Halloween kind of movie, but I... I will definitely watch this again. And this is one that I would, I would actively seek out to watch again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like 10, 20 years ago, whatever. Um, I would say that this was like one of those movies where it's like, if I accidentally still had spike TV on, like and they, were, <laughs> they were playing this movie, like I would have it on the background, you know? It's one of those movies for me. Obviously, that's not really the case now. Um, so I can't just like passively see this. I would have to actively search for it again. Um, but I don't know that I would do that. So I guess it's one of those things where, yeah, if somebody else is watching and I'm at their house, I'm not going to be like, uh, that's against my religion. Can we watch something else? <laughs> <laughs> so now is the time. Is Ghost Ship a guilty pleasure? Or a dumpster fire. Um, Matt, we'll start with you this round. The yeah, yes, we always do, as we always admit, yes, there are things wrong with this movie. There are things that don't hold up. Um but I'm I'm adding this to my list of guilty pleasures. I yeah. Lydia. Yeah, I'm with Matt. I'm gonna add this onto the list and say it's a guilty pleasure. <sighs> this movie it's weird. Um, 
at the end of the day, I'm apathetic towards it. And so I can make the argument that it's a guilty pleasure or it's a dumpster fire because I'm just so apathetic towards it. Um, I, I don't know if apathetic is the right word because there were things about this movie that I genuinely enjoyed. There are other things that I genuinely did not like. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it leans just slightly more in the guilty pleasure category. So that's what I'm going to go with. So it's it, it's a pleasant dumpster? It's it's a it's a dumpster pleasure or it's a guilty pleasure. <laughs> I don't like that. Don't say that ever again. <laughs> There's a reason I didn't say that. <laughs> but there's a reason I did. Tabitha. Yeah, this is definitely a guilty pleasure movie for me. Um <laughs> among other things, it has a killer soundtrack, so if it's just playing in the background, I'm gonna be entertained. <laughs> So there we have it. It's unanimous. Ghost Ship is a dumpster pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's a guilty pleasure. I'm sorry. Are you? No, I'm I sure not. don't like it when you say the word pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Um, so we've got time for one more story. Um, we wanted to make sure we, we always like to end with weird stories. And so... Um, Tabitha, you sure have one. I do. Um, it's usually you, too. Yeah. I don't know what Her and her TikToks. Right? This isn't even TikTok. This is an intervention. <laughs> <laughs> Tabitha, let's talk about skeletons in Utah. Um. Well, I guess if we were going to try to find pole dancing skeletons, I guess the first place we should have checked was Utah. Um, a Facebook account for the city of Grantsville, Utah, put up a post demanding that a local Halloween display... Featuring a skeleton working a stop sign like a stripper pole, surrounded by other skeletons in lawn chairs tossing money at the deceased dancer and be taken down. <laughs> the city called it unacceptable to be on city property and threatened to take it down. However, the person who put it up did decide to take it down, but then they just moved into their front yard, added additional poles, more dancers, a bigger audience, a stage, flashing lights, and a tip jar. <laughs> Um, the residents of this town are very divided. There are people that are going up and putting money in the tip jar. <laughs> there are people who are trying to protest for them to take it down because it's upsetting their up quote unquote upsetting the children. Um, I am in the camp of tip jar. If this was down the road for me, I would be there every night putting quarters in it because I'm so and this is amazing. This is the kind of malicious compliance that I <laughs> am here for. I live for this. Um, yeah, this is wonderful. Um, you know, those skeletons, they're, they're just trying to make a dollar. I love how, <laughs> like, this can't be on city property. Okay, I'll put it on my yard and we'll multiply <laughs> the, the size. That's just so fantastic. If you pull it up and look at the video of it now in this person's yard, like, the flashing light is, it's incredible. They were just, like, skeletons in lawn chairs watching pole dancers. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is great. Also, we found all the missing skeletons from the ship, guys. They ended up in Utah. There it is. <laughs> Oh. working ladies there's there's at least one of those skeletons though that's sitting there watching the dancers that wishes that they could be a dancer but they don't have the guts just work you to oh death my god where's my bell <laughs> it was on your lap where'd it go ring 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 <laughs> ring i can't find my bell ring 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 i'm probably sitting on it that sounds yep. uncomfortable <laughs> oh please 
Uh, that was one for Mitch and one for Matt. <laughs> I kind of figured. Yeah. Why? Why did Matt get one? You didn't hear what he said? No, I didn't. I said work you to death. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Ah. <laughs> uh, uh, on that note, um, yeah. Even though you're listening to this after Halloween, we we hope you had a happy and appropriately spooky Halloween. Um, yeah. Um, boo, boo. I guess. That's going to do it for this episode of The Geek Awakens. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, shoot us an email at thegeekawakenspodcast at gmail.com. It would be a shame if you didn't follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Geek Awakens Podcast or on Twitter at Geek Awakens. Theme music created and produced by E. Cannon Beats. Our logo was designed by Shay McCain. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. We're boldly gone. <laughs>